Well, good morning. I want to say a particular welcome to those of you who are new here today. You've uh, crossed the frozen tundra to be a part of Chatham Community Church, and you are a most welcome guest to be here with us. Whether you're new in person or online, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors here, and what we're all about is really simple. It's all about connecting, connecting people to God, connecting people to each other. So together we can engage our world for good. We have the experience. A little bit of all those things here this morning. Uh, this is week three of our January series called Spiritual Power in Everyday Places. If you're just joining us multiple times uh, throughout his life, Jesus tells his followers that we're going to have, they're going to have spiritual authority and power. And most of us have no idea what that means. So uh, we're in church and we're assuming Jesus knows what he's talking about. Okay, let's just give him the benefit of the doubt that, that we need this thing and that this thing's available to us. Spiritual power and authority. So we're just talking about what does it mean? What does that look like? So here's the proposal for the whole series that because of Jesus, in Jesus, only by his power, by his grace, by his mercy, and when Christ is in us, you are more powerful than you now see or know or can possibly understand. But you need to know it. You need to see it. You need to understand it. And in part because you're up against more and a different kind of opposition than you currently see or know. And in part because God has wired you up to make a bigger and different kind of difference in the world then you can now see or know. This is the proposal for this whole series. And if you're brand new and this sounds weird to you, it's weird to most of us too. So welcome to the party. All we're doing is saying we're going to try to take Jesus and the scriptures seriously that describe that there's spiritual opposition and that we've been equipped to sort of come up against it. And again, to be clear, we're not saying that everything is because there's a demon behind every corner. There's a spiritual layer of everything to all the things. Some, there's all kinds of problems in the world that require all kinds of solutions, right? Some problems are due to ignorance. They require education. Some problems are due to bacteria. We need medicine. And some problems are due to spiritual opposition or at least have a spiritual layer to them. And if we don't address them in the spiritual realm, those problems continue to plague us. And the passage that Sean just read for us tells us in no uncertainty certain terms that our, our opposition, our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against these spiritual powers and forces of evil. So we're going to drill down briefly into what does it look like? What does that mean? And then what does it mean that we're equipped to sort of do this battle, to sort of step into this opposition, into this sort of conflict? And then we're going to spend some time, some extended time in prayer, inviting you to Take on this armor of God thing and maybe go get prayer that you might be able to wear this armor of God thing. Because if it's true, if it's true, just if it's true, if there are spiritual forces that sort of are set in opposition to you, this whole idea of like wearing the armor of God is not just like, like a nice museum piece. It is something that you need to know how to wear. It's work that God's prepared in advance for you to do, not just to make you safe or keep you safe or even just your family, maybe for your neighborhood, maybe for your business, maybe for uh, the school where you go to school, maybe for a society or a place or a place where you volunteer, that there's work for you to do in the spiritual realm. And so we're going to step into that together over these next few minutes. Now, the first part of the passage that Sean read is a little bit of a preamble, kind of why you might need this thing called the armor of God. And, and the way that Paul opens it up, the, he was writing this letter to the Ephesians, he writes this, he says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, the world is a big, complicated place, all kinds of challenges, and many of us feel powerless. Many of us feel kind of overwhelmed by the brokenness in the world or some of our situations. And so there's a lot of people out there writing books or on YouTube helping you to figure out how to be strong in a very chaotic and, di and difficult world. Now, much of it is well-intentioned, and a lot of it looks something like this. Embracing the goddess within. Now, first of all, I can't meet, wait, wait to find my goddess within. Can't wait to talk to that lady. 
But secondly, this is a lot of how sort of the world thinks about where the power comes from. It's like a Scooby-Doo like cartoon. The power is in you all along, right? Where is the source of power to navigate a complicated, challenging world? Now, as, as Christians, we have, there's a distinct answer to this, right? And, and it, it's, it's a little bit different and it has some resonance and some dissonance. On the one hand, as Christians, here's what we affirm. That every single human being is made in God's image and therefore there is innate agency. That is the power to influence for good or for bad. And all of us can grow in how to use it, right? All of us can grow in how to use the innate agency we all have as we're made in God's image, right? Some of you have read books or gone to seminars that have totally been fantastic for you that had nothing to do with Jesus, because they helped you to sort of understand how to use the agencies God given to you. And as Christians, we say yes and amen. You living more in line with how God wired you up is going to feel invigorating. It's going to be life-giving. You actually stepping into whatever agencies God, given you, God has given you, abilities to influence the world around you. And using that, like, with strength, that's a good thing. That's like something that is often like, yeah, that's going to feel life-giving and excellent. And we say yes and amen. And here's what the scriptures teach. Here's what Jesus teaches. You don't know the half of it. There's so much more. That there is resurrection power only in Jesus. And that makes us stronger both in the spiritual world and in the natural world. And that there's a wisdom in Jesus that teaches us how to use this power. Listen, listen my friends. Apart from resurrection life flowing in you, death ends all of it for everybody. The only way you conquer death is if you attach yourself to the one who has already conquered death. The only way that you overcome spiritual opposition, if there is such a thing, the only way that you conquer spiritual opposition is if you tie yourself and are united with the one who has already overcome all spiritual opposition. The only way we have spiritual authority, the way that God calls us to have spiritual authority, is if we are filled with Christ. And then, of course, in the natural world, many of us just have experienced so much joy, so much peace, just by receiving the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of Jesus, the power of the Spirit. It just helps us, even in our natural world, it just gives a different kind of an energy, a different kind of a power. And then finally, there's the wisdom of Jesus, because here's the thing. Once you discover that you're more powerful than you realize, the question is, what are you going to do with your power? How are you going to use that? All kinds of people discover, look, I'm stronger than I realize, and they do terrible things. The way that we know what it means to be a person who stewards power, stewards agency, stewards strength in a faithful way is by looking at Jesus who teaches us to live wisely with the powers, the abilities, the gifts God's given to us. And so when Paul writes, he wants you to be strong. He says, I want you to be strong, not inside you, not in the power inside you, although that's not a bad thing. He wants you to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power that he wants to pour into you. And then as Paul unpacks all this, he talks about sort of why you need this power, what you're up against. And I want to highlight a couple of key things in the passage Sean just read. One is sort of the opposition that we're up against, right? So we're going to highlight that in, in red. And then, and then I want you to look at this key word that Paul repeats multiple times. And the word is to stand. So look for these, pass look for these as we continue to read through Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul writes this. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, no, there's not an if there, right? When the day of evil comes. Because you've had evil days, right? You've had evil days where darkness seemed to overrun everything. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. 
you ever taken your car to the shop? Well, first off, some of you know that you've never taken your car to the shop because you don't do that. You fix it yourself. But for those of us who are not mechanically inclined, have you ever taken your car to the shop and they thought it was one thing and they fixed that one thing and it didn't fix the problem because they misdiagnosed the problem, right? Paul doesn't want us to misdiagnose the problem. He wants us to understand that there is spiritual opposition that's real and alive that we need to be awake to. And he describes the spiritual opposition this way in this passage. There's the devil, there's the rulers, or these dark rulers, there's the authorities, the dark authorities, there's the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil. Those are the phrases and the descriptions that Paul uses in the passage we just read. And a summary of this is this. There are personal spiritual beings. There are spiritual agents intent on expanding the kingdom of darkness and robbing you of becoming the glorious human being God designed you to be. The psalmist says that God crowned human beings with glory, made them a little lower than the angels, crowned you with glory. There are spiritual beings who would delight for you to never discover how glorious God made you to be. And there's a couple key ways to do it. Right, a couple key ways these sort of spiritual forces come up against us. One is sort of pain, tragedy, difficulty, right, trials, and then two, enough good things to distract you from the ultimate good. Of course, most of us understand sort of pain, the day of trouble, day of struggle, day of darkness, right? We understand pain, uh, difficulty, setbacks, right? Accidents, uh, cancers, even, even the pain and difficulty of difficult relationships or difficult work environments and how those things can rob us of so much joy. But there's a second thing, right, of like just enough good things to keep you placated, satisfied, right? Have a nice life, have a nice marriage, get a nice job have nice kids, go on nice vacations, have a nice house, have a nice car. You could waste your life for decades just being happy with nice and good and never realizing that you are wired up to make a bigger and different kind of difference in this world than you ever imagined or you ever dreamed. And so what the scriptures tell us is there are spiritual forces of evil that would love to sort of steal your joy and rob you of the glory that God has crowned you with, whether that's through pain, trials, and heartache, or just making you happy enough that you don't hunger for anything more or anything bigger. And so what Jesus has done on the cross is not only take away all our sin, all our shame, every wrong thing you've ever done and ever will do, every bad thought, whatever, all washed away, not just that, but also conquered the spiritual forces that are set against you and me. He's also overcome the, the things, the, the spiritual beings that are set against us. And so here's the good news. The fact that Jesus has already overcome these means this. Jesus already has the victory over personal spiritual evils and difficulties. So we don't fight for victory. We just stand in victory. You don't create the victory. The victory's already been won for you. Paul writes over and over again, all you got to do is stand, 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 stand firm. In the victory that Christ has already won. We receive that, we walk in it, and we do our best to lean into it as best we can. This past week, it was a really, really dark day of evil for two people in our church. This past Monday morning, it was a, a couple been trying to get pregnant, trying to get pregnant for years and years and years trying to get pregnant. She got pregnant 21 weeks in, Monday morning, she lost a baby. Horrible. Heartbreaking. Lots of folks are mourning across our community for them. Same day, this past Monday, family in our church, their 51-year-old daughter, perfectly fine and healthy to that moment, died that morning. Looks like a heart attack, out of the blue. Day of evil. What do you do? How do you pray? How do you, in a swirl of tears and sadness and heartache? Well, you just do the best you can to pray that Jesus is Lord, even over this day. It's victory over Sin, death, darkness is our only hope in this life and to the next. And so we do our best 
to stand in the victory of Jesus amidst the sadness and the tears and the swirl and the heartache and the crying out. We do our best to stand firm in the victory of Jesus, even on those darkest, hardest days. It doesn't make everything magically better, but it is a place to stand when everything around you is shaken. Paul talks about the armor of God and the, the, the ways that God has equipped us to stand firm in the midst of these challenges. And here's, how, here's a quick summary of those things. He talks about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. He talks about feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, shield of salvation, helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. A couple things about this list just to kind of tag it, some history, some context to it. First of all, it's, it's, it's often very hard to name when exactly Paul's writing these letters, but it's very likely that he's imprisoned when he's writing this one and he's chained to a Roman guard. And so as he's sitting around writing the letter to the Ephesians, he's trying to decide, how can I come up with an image that will be remembered and sticky? 2,000 years later, they'll still be talking about it. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And he looks, behold, there's an armored guard right there. Here's this guy. All right, like, put on the armor of God. And, he, and the way he describes even the, the sequencing, it's like this is actually the, the order of operations, how people would sort of get dressed, a, a, a person who's getting dressed for battle, how they would put on these pieces, these elements. Now, here's the deal. All these elements of, of, of armor are both given to us by God and their characteristics were called to cultivate as God followers, right? They're both given to us by God and we're also called to become these kind of people. Let's just kind of tag through these as best we possibly can. Just a quick run through. One, the belt of truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. He said, I'm teaching you the truth. At one point, he said, Satan is the father of lies. And so your job as a Jesus follower is first off to trust him, that he's speaking the truth. Truth about you, truth about God, truth about the world, truth about everything that's wrong with the world. We put our hope and our faith in Jesus, the truth. And he looks at you, looks at me, and says, if you want to be my disciple and be a part of my setting people free work, the truth is what sets people free, including you. You can't be a person of lies. Put on the belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness, right? So this covering of your heart. Righteousness means just becoming the kind of person who is seeking after God as best you possibly can, consistently, as consistently as you possibly can. Not perfect and not self-righteousness that results in pride. Real righteousness results in humility, right? God, as best I can, I'm integrating and living out the life of Jesus, life with Jesus in my, into my life as consistently as I can across all the domains of my life. I am becoming, stepping into a, trying my best I can to be a righteous person as I receive the righteousness of Christ in me. I, I, I want to live a life that matches pitch with his righteousness as best as I can, not perfectly, but faithfully. Then he says, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The reality is you're already wearing a pair of shoes. And the way you know what kind of shoes you're wearing is what's in your wake. If there's discord, chaos, Disorder, you're not wearing shoes that are that not, uh, of the gospel of peace. You're not becoming a person who's sowing seeds of the gospel of peace. To put on the gospel of peace is to say, I want my feet fitted. I want to sow seeds of shalom, of reconciliation, of repair, of bringing sort of where there is anxiety or chaos or conflict. I want to be a person, a man, a woman of peace. Shield of faith to distinguish the, extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. The fiery darts of the evil one are all these things that come at us in different ways. That could be uh, things that do violence to our, our lives or our lives that are spoken out about us and, and things that happen to us. People talk about us behind our back. There could be all kinds of different things that come at us. There could also be those voices that speak to you that you're not lovable. You'll never be forgiven. You're never going to be good enough. To take up the shield of faith is to say, I'm not believing the lies. I'm believing Jesus. I'm not going to give the lies power in my life. 
I'm not going to let these things distract me from what's true. I'm taking up the shield of faith and saying, you know what? I hear the voice that tells me I'll never be good enough. I hear the voices of people talk about me behind my, behind my back. Like, I believe what Jesus says about me to be true. I believe that's the truest thing about me. No matter what anyone else says or what the voices inside my own head, my own head are saying, I believe the word of God. And I'm taking up the shield of faith to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one that are coming at me. Helmet of salvation. This is to... Uh, delight in the good news that once you have become a Jesus follower, once you've been saved, you are playing the rest of your life with house money. Congratulations. You got nothing to lose, everything to win. Your eternity is secured in Jesus Christ. This is taking up joy in the fact that you have been saved at great cost to himself. God has rescued you from death. Martin Luther was the guy who started the Protestant Reformation, and he described a lot of spiritual opposition in his own life, whether it was nightmares or other things coming at him. And one of the things that he would often say when he was feeling under attack spiritually, he would shout out out loud, I've been baptized. I've been baptized. He was celebrating his salvation and the moment of his salvation, the celebration of the moment of salvation at baptism, and saying that is the strength that keeps me standing in victory over and against my spiritual opposition, the delight in the salvation of God, the rescue of God. Sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. These are both the literal words of Scripture, that is knowing Scripture and being able to recite it, and then also the Spirit-led application of the Scripture, that is applying the truth of the Scripture into your context, into your situation, right? Jesus is the most famous person, uh, and when he's doing uh, the sort of head-to-head with, the, with Satan in the desert, right? Jesus goes head-to-head with, with Satan in the desert. He does two things. He quotes Scripture directly several times, like at every, t- at every turn, but he also says other things that aren't direct quotes of Scripture, that are applications of the Scripture, that are actually other words that are true, that are applications of the Scripture, led by the Spirit, to sort of speak over and against the evil one, the literal words of the Scripture, the spirit application of the scripture that's a quick run through and as we look at this list of my, my first prayer my first question for you and prompt as we move into our time of prayer here in a few minutes my my first prompt to you is this as you look over sort of these these instruments these kind of agents these elements of sort of the armor of God where do you need God's strength to be bold or resilient and or wise in armor you're most comfortable with where do you need the Lord's strength right be strong in Lord's strength and his mighty power Where do you need the Lord's strength to sort of put on armor that you're already comfortable with, that you're already good at? Like some of you are already people of truth. Some of you are already people of peace. Some of you, like faith comes really naturally. Where do you need to sort of receive the Lord's strength to press in, to use something that you're comfortable with and put it to use? Because it's not just about looking good in this armor. It's about feeling good in this armor. It's about putting it to use. So where is God calling you to put his armor to use in your life, in his power? Some of you need to be more bold, right? Like you're a person of truth or you're a person of faith, but man, you're struggling to sort of figure out how to bring that or you're kind of hiding that or kind of burying that back in the background. Some of you need to be more bold and more outspoken about your faith or stepping into it more boldly. Some of you are in places where you've tried to be a person of peace for days and weeks and months, maybe even years with a conflict in your family or at work, right? You're trying to be a person of peace. You're just exhausted. You're just so tired. You just need the strength of the Lord to, res- to be resilient, to be perseverant in those challenges. Some of you, you got no problems being bold, out- outspoken. Some of you actually need to realize not every battle is your battle to fight. Some of you need to be more wise, more discerning 
about how and when you bring sort of whatever gift you've got and the strength you have. How do you bring that in a way that's wise and thoughtful? Jesus didn't pick every fight, didn't heal every person, didn't fight every battle, nor should you. What does it mean to be a person of wisdom and armor that you're strong in already? Secondly, second question is this. As you look over the armor of God list, is there a piece of armor that you need to put on that you're not comfortable in, you're not familiar with, not your go-to? Is there a piece of armor on this list that's like, that's not me. I don't know how to use that. I'm not good at that. That God's saying, no, 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 no. You need to put that on today. Some of you are in situations, so much anxiety, so much anger, so many challenges. You need to put on the, the, the shoes of peace, the gospel of peace. And you're like, I haven't worn those shoes in years. I'm not even sure if they fit anymore. I don't know how to wear those things. I don't know how to be that person. I don't know how to bring that to a community. My family needs it. My workplace needs it. But I don't know how to use it. I don't know how to deal with it. And God's looking at you today saying, I'm giving you this gift. There are people in your life who need this gift. Put these things on and let's go to work together in my strength. Same thing can be true about the scriptures or about being a person of faith or putting on the helmet of salvation. Is there, a, is there a piece of armor that you are struggling with or that you know you need that God's put you in a place or man, either personally in your life or in your family, your workplace, where you need something that you're not comfortable in? Or do you need to ask the Lord, help me, help me to put this on and help me how to live into this? Finally, last question is this. Looking this over, are you currently living in opposition to any of these gifts that God wants to give you? Are you currently living a life that is in opposition, like directly opposed to these gifts God wants to give you? I want to invite you to repent, which the Greek word literally means to change your mind, to go the opposite direction, to turn around, to receive this gift, and to walk in the authority of God. Because here's the deal, spiritual authority requires that we work to walk with integrity. You can't be a person who is disintegrated who is not interested in following God and pretend to use his authority, his power, in the places where he sent you. It's just not going to happen. There's no way for us to be people who bring the power of God if we're denying God in some area of our life. If we're just cut off and saying, I, I only want to kind of buffet style a little bit of God and do my own thing in some area of my life and not live con congruent with who he's called us to be. So there's ways that we can live in opposition to the gifts God wants to give us, which are going to undermine sort of our experience of God and our ability to bring power into those places. So let me go off through this real quick. Belt of truth. If you're not a person of truth, if you're living a lie in some way, shape, or form, double life in some way, shape, or form, it's not impossible. That's true among someone here among us. Are there ways that you're living in lies? Listen, you can't serve the father of lies and use the power of Jesus. It's just not going to work. I want to invite you to repent. Leave behind a life of lies or hiding. Step into the light and receive the belt of truth. And then bring the power of Jesus to bear in the places where he sent you. Breastplate of righteousness. That is, to be, that is to be cultivating like that is congruent, consistent. I used to work with college students for a long time. And every so often there would be a student whose parents looked great at church. They were leaders at church. They were awesome at church. And they were disasters at home. Hypocrisy, right? We hate that. Except when we do it, then we excuse it, Right? If there's, if there's a place in your life where you're actually not living, intentionally not living, congruent with who Christ calls us to be, I just want to invite you to repent, to receive the breastplate of righteousness, to walk in righteousness, to be a person who's cultivating righteousness, that you might be stand, that you might be able to stand strong when the day of evil comes, that you might be equipped with the armor of God to do battle, to bring his authority to bear in places where you need it. Gospel of peace. If your feet are fitted with something else... <laughs> It's going to show, right? Listen, if in your wake, if you're a quarrelsome person, if you love just to tear people down, if you're a gossiper, if you love to backbite and play politics and do things behind people's back, if that's kind of the person that you are, 
you're not a person of peace who's sowing seeds of peace, you're not going to have the power of God to bring peace to places where he's put you to bring peace. I want to invite you, take off your old shoes, put on the new thing, become a person of peace, to repent of who you have been, to put on the gift of God that you might be a person of peace and do the work he's called you to do. Shield of faith. Now, some, shield of faith is really interesting because some of us in the world teaches you this. The world tells you that doubt and cynicism is way better and way cooler than faith. It's a lie. I want to invite you, those of you who have exalted doubt and cynicism over and above faith because you think faith is stupid and gullible, which I'll talk about that in a minute. But listen, I'm not talking about gullibility and stupidity or foolishness. I'm talking about genuine wisdom and faith. And if you think cynicism and doubt is a better way to live, you are totally vulnerable to the fiery darts of the evil one. You are totally vulnerable. I want you to become cynical of your cynicism. I want you to get doubtful of your doubts. That is not a better way to live. That is only a way to live incongruently. In a broken down way that will harden your heart and keep you further away from God and the man and woman God designed you to be. I want to invite you to become cynical and cynicism, to put away the doubts and to say, I'm going to put my faith in the Lord. Not foolishly, not gullibly, but I'm putting, my, I'm putting a flag down and say faith is better than cynicism and doubt. It's a better way to live than cynicism and doubt. Take up the shield of faith. Helmet of salvation. If you're here this morning, not a, not a Christian, not a Jesus person, so glad you're here. And this is a great Sunday to be here. Salvation changes your life now and forever. I want to invite you to step in. Receive the salvation of God. The gift of his son Jesus. Who went to the cross to forgive you of all your sins. To conquer all spiritual opposition. That you might be set free from darkness, sin, shame, regret. Set free in this life to live forever. And some of us would check the box. I'm a Christian. I'm a Jesus person. But if there's no joy in it. There's no delight in it. There's no awe and wonder. And I'm not saying you have to be like in tears every day, but I'm saying if you don't have any sense of like this is the best thing that ever happened to me, this is the thing that's shaping my life, changing my life more than anything else, if that's not sort of the place that you're in, I want to invite you to repent, change your mind, to wrap your mind around the wonders of God's great salvation, to put on the helmet of salvation, that you might be strong when the day of evil comes, to cultivate a delight and wonder in the salvation of the Lord. And then finally, the sort of the Spirit and like, if the Bible is just like this weird book, kind of like an artifact over on the shelf or something other people are into but not really you, then you have no idea the power of this thing. You have no idea the wisdom of this thing. You have no idea this isn't an artifact, this isn't ancient. This is power that you, when you need it most, on your darkest day, for you to have some scripture that you know, the truth of the Bible that you know, that's in your bowl, in, in your soul, in your bones that you like love and live by, then you are totally disarmed. On some of your worst and darkest days, I want to invite you to press in, to embrace the good news of the scriptures. They can be complicated, certainly. There can be challenges, absolutely. But if you're not equipped with a, with a, with a scripture, or if you're not even like interested in the scripture, you have no idea the gift that God's given you for you to be able to stand on your darkest, most difficult days. Looking through this list, is there any place where you're living in opposition or ambivalence to the gifts that God wants to give you? And I want to invite you to repent. That is to change your mind, to change direction, to receive this good gift, and then to walk in the authority that God has given you that you might stand on some of your darkest, hardest days. The last line of the scripture that Sean read for us was this, that we might pray in the spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That's what we're going to do here in just a few minutes. We're going to put these prompts back up here. And what I want to invite you to do is there's three ways I want to invite you to pray as we move to our time of prayer. 
Where do you need strength to be bold and or resilient or perseverant or wise and armor that you're most comfortable with? You're already, you're already a person of truth, already a person of faith, but man, you're tired or you need to figure out how to apply it in a particular way or God's given you kind of a challenge to step into in a particular way. I want to invite you to get prayer for that strength. I want to invite you to pray for that yourself and then go get prayer for that. Is there a piece of armor that you know you need to put on that you're not comfortable with? That's like foreign to you and you're like, I'm not even sure I want to be a person of peace. I'm not even sure I want to take up the scriptures. I'm not even sure I want to take up the shield of salvation. Man, God's given you this gift. And I want to invite you to sort of step into it even if it's not comfortable to sort of embrace it and ask to receive that gift. And then is there any place where you're living in opposition to the gifts God wants to give you? You're not a particularly interested in cultivating a righteous life, not particularly interested in the scripture. Maybe you've been living a lie or, or, or duplicitous life in some way, shape, or form. The Lord invites you this morning. Darkness can feel strong. It can feel so enticing. It's a lie. There's no life there. There's only life in the power of Jesus. So I invite you to sort of lay that down and step into the light. We're going to move to a time of prayer in just a minute. The worship team is going to come. They're going to lead us briefly into a song that we're going to sing together. And then after that, there's going to be a, the prayer minister is going to be up around the room. I'm going to get up and kind of introduce that. But for now, what I want you to do is I want you to sit for just a minute to sort of open your heart to the Spirit and invite the Spirit to speak into your heart, to surface whatever needs to be surfaced that he might want to deal with in you here this morning. Let me pray for us as we move now to our time of prayer and reflection. Lord Jesus, thank you for... Uh, the gifts of the armor for the strength you want to share with us and give to us. And Lord, I pray now as we open ourselves up that you would reveal what you want to do here in our hearts right here, right now, this morning. If there's gifts you want to give us, if there's things that we need to let go of, if there's work we need to do just to, just to persevere and, get, and, and be strong in you in the midst of a, a battle we've been in for a long, long time. Lord, whatever work needs to happen here this morning, as we look at the armor of God, look at this gift and assess where you put us and where we are in life, come Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. We open ourselves up now in Jesus' name. Amen.